We're back with Backstory. I'm Peter Onuf. I'm Ed Ayers. And I'm Brian Vallow. We're reflecting on Chinese President Xi Jinping's recent visit to America with an hour on the history of U.S.-China relations. We're going to turn from America's history in China to a story of early Chinese immigrants in the U.S. In the 1830s, few Americans would ever have seen a Chinese person in the flesh, with two prominent exceptions. The headlines said it all. The Siamese twins have arrived at New York on their way to Boston. Those human anatomical wonders have again commenced to exhibit themselves about the country. They are united to each other by a ligature or band, about three and a half inches in length and eight in circumference. They have adopted the American style of dress in everything except the hair, which is three feet in length and worn by them braided in the Chinese style. They are the original Siamese twins and no humbug. In 1829, there were two brothers, conjoined twins, who were brought to the United States from the country of Siam, which we today know as Thailand. Mm -hmm. And they were placed on exhibit, and the stage name that they used was the Siamese Twins. This is historian Joe Orser. He says that the twins, named Chang and Ng, made a living traveling from town to town. Sometimes they performed acrobatics. Other times they simply sat in a parlor for an intimate chat with customers but they always displayed the band of flesh that connected them just above the waist. From the beginning, Americans had medical and philosophical questions about the conjoined twins, but much of the talk focused on their race. Though born in Siam, the twins were ethnically Chinese, and when they arrived in the U.S. in 1829, Americans didn't know what to make of them. Were they black or white, slave or free? Orser says that when the twins took their act of Virginia in 1832, state lawmakers felt compelled to debate their status. The Virginia assemblymen ultimately decided that they were slaves. They were owned by this American sea captain, Abel Coffin, who had brought them over from Siam to the United States. And this offended the twins to no end. The way that they responded to this was by turning to their Chineseness. They're from a country, Siam which had slavery, a form of slavery, in which the Chinese were exempt. And so they said, we're Chinese. We're not some menial, low-level piece of property. By the end of the 1830s, Chang and Ng had made enough money exhibiting themselves to buy some property in rural North Carolina. Orser says the twins were quite shrewd about American racial politics. They realized that North Carolinians, like Virginians, viewed the world in terms of black and white. So, Chang and Ng set out to prove their whiteness to their southern neighbors. They owned land. Um, They married uh, white sisters at a time when miscegenation, marriage between races, was prohibited. They owned, it varied from as few as 18 to as many as 30 slaves. And the twins didn't stop there. In the 1840 census, they were listed as Chang and Ng Bunker, two white brothers. They became naturalized citizens, a legal status that was only available to free white men at the time. Their children, all 21 of them, were also classified as white on the census. And each had a son fight for the South, for the Confederacy. The rural community accepted them. In the words of one neighbor, Chang and Ng Bunker were Southerners true and true. But outside their North Carolina hometown, the ground was shifting. 
Tens of thousands of Chinese immigrants began arriving in the West after the California Gold Rush of 1849. Those Chinese certainly weren't accepted by their white neighbors. And people began to write letters to editors and saying, well, golly, I heard that in San Francisco, Chinese have been prohibited from testifying in court, from enjoying any benefits of citizenship. In fact, they're being barred from citizenship. What about the twins? And so increasingly, starting in the 1850s, you have the Chinese presence in America coloring the way that uh, Americans think about Chang'anang. By the 1870s, as the nativist backlash against Chinese immigrants intensified, the brothers' hard-won assimilation started slipping away. Their children found doors that had been opened to their fathers were now closing. When some of Chang'anang's sons start to move west um, in Missouri and in Kansas, in official records, people begin to mark them as Chinese, which is really curious, considering they had never been marked thus at home in North Carolina. Chang and Ng died in 1874, within a few hours of each other. They were 62 years old. They were still listed as white on the census. But their obituaries, published in newspapers across the country, showed how much American attitudes toward Chinese had changed over the course of their lifetime. Both were ignorant and had intelligence that scarcely rose above low cunning. Their faces were peculiarly repelling yellow in hue and closely resembling those of the Chinese cigar sellers of Chatham Street. When they die, the most vile things are written about them. And so by the end of their life, there's just not as much room to maneuver. Kind of this iron cage has descended on the family and they are no longer able to um, situate themselves in ways that are beneficial to them. When they first arrived in America, Chang and Ng had wanted to be identified as Chinese but there was no clear place for Chinese immigrants in America's racial hierarchy. By the time they died, there was a very clear place for them. They could only be Chinese. Joe Orser helped us tell that story. He's a professor of history at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire and the author of The Lies of Chang and Ng, Siam's Twins in 19th Century America. <laughs> 